listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 224, Glenn Hughes, L.A. Blues Authority, Volume 2, Part 2. And coming to you from the sunny and hot suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, the Providence Blues Authority, Volume (laughs) 2. John Matola <laughs> blues. <laughs> I like that. A <laughs> uh, little something different for you today. You were just th- saying before the show that you thought that maybe people were thinking like we were coming off like we were the ultimate authorities on the blues. <laughs> we're, we're the we're the the Providence and Chicago authorities. Blues authorities, exactly. as, it, as it were. I feel like Providence is Chicago is a is a is a hard one to back up. Providence, not so much. Chicago is a big <laughs> blues town. <laughs> I am probably the person in Chicago that knows the most about the blues. I think it's safe to say. <laughs> yeah, we. Well, I mean, you were just telling me we got some really good feedback on our last episode and i'm like why because we're such authority we're the foremost authorities on the blues i think it was specifically because we weren't (laughs) no no we are totally not oh yes yeah, but we're we're ready to to tackle part two here. So um, if uh, you want to support our show, our show is 100 percent listener supported. So if you want to support our show, you can do so in a number of ways. One is by leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We are getting we are approaching our 100th Apple Podcasts review. So if you are the lucky number 100, we will uh, we will send you some merch. We'll do something special for you, but we're not going to tell you where we are. Just that we're we're getting there. So mm. keep writing those five star reviews, and maybe you'll be lucky number one hundred, and we can send you something. Um, probably be better if we decided what we we're going to send you, but we don't really know. So we'll figure it out yeah, in, we'll in the moment. Yeah, um, whatever extra crap you got lying around. You know. Yeah, maybe I could just like chip off a piece <laughs> of my desk. I was like, this is the desk. That <laughs> this is a chunk of the desk I recorded every episode of the Deep Purple podcast on. Um, no, it'll be better than that. Um, you can also support our show on Etsy. We do have some merch available, some uh, some mugs and some T-shirts. You can become a patron on Patreon. That's where most of the people decide to support us for as little as one dollar a month. Help support our show. All the money goes back into the show. We use it to um, to buy albums to review. We use it to buy concert tickets when we go to see the bands, all that sort of stuff. Um, and you can also donate on PayPal, which a smaller portion decide to do. You can also send us cash at cash app at dollar sign DPPOD or support us on Ko-fi. Um, also, just kind of like a social media update with just everything going on. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, um, there's really like they've really limited like what we can do on Twitter because all of our posts are like automated. Well, not all of them, but like the our kind of informational posts. So we're limited to like three a day and all that sort of stuff. So if you don't want to miss anything, make sure you're following us on Instagram or on Facebook. Also, mm-hmm. if you're on Blue Sky or on Threads, we're on both of those as well. And as Twitter continues to kind of um, 
make whatever ridiculous changes they're making will probably be <laughs> less active than there, which is unfortunate because we by far it's our largest platform. We have the most number of followers there. Um, but it's just uh, they've they've put some things in place that's made it a little difficult. And also it's made it difficult to get our posts out to you. So um, we'll still be auto posting things on Twitter and be checking it out. But if you don't want to miss anything, make sure you're following us on those other platforms. Um, some other housekeeping before we get into it. Uh, speaking of Glenn Hughes, we're going to be seeing Glenn Hughes in September, September 19th with Ingve Malmsteen at the Palladium in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, make sure if you want to meet up that you let us know. Um, John, is uh, any any updates on the on the meetup? No updates. No updates. There you go. I thought it would be enough Zero for a sip. I, I thought it would be enough for a sip of my drink, but yep. <laughs> no, I mean, I could, I could just like uh, you know throw out a throw out a reminder sure. that the the uh, the venue the venue that I'm uh, considering is the Armsby Abbey, which is uh, just a few minutes walk from the venue. And if anybody is uh, knows the area, knows that that's a long-standing um, bar restaurant. Very cool place. Um, so hoping to, you know, when I get closer to a final number, which, you know, shouldn't be huge, but still want to contact the restaurant, let them know that we'll we'll be there. Maybe section off a little, uh, you know, get us a little section uh, toward the back so we can all, you know, hang out, not cause any disturbance. Maybe bring them a few extra bucks yep. in drinks and whatnot. So the VIP treatment. Yeah. Hey, we're from the Deep Purple podcast. Oh, that's you guys. Get out. Oh. <laughs> more, more likely. Like, do you know who we are? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we do. That's why we said get out. <laughs> I'd be more surprised if they knew who we were. Yeah. If we but, got kicked um, out, that would mean we were somebody. <laughs> oh, that's like, true. It's you guys. <clears throat> but anyways, uh, yeah, we're getting close. Um, I could, I could probably look to, um, you know, make a reservation for a larger, <clears throat> excuse me, a larger party, um, in probably a couple of weeks in August, but yeah, that's, that's all my updates. Um, so now Nate's over here, uh, slurping and chewing and is <laughs> able to take his, his food break. <laughs> Back to you, Nate. We just had some, we had some neighbors over last night for some just grilled some stuff up so we had some leftovers tonight and then um yeah came right to the basement no ice cream tonight for me i'm just i'm just snacking on herman the german's uh dutch licorice i don't know what makes it dutch i guess mm. it was made in holland that would do it <laughs> <laughs> it's not like dutch style they don't seem to put a lot of spaces in words in in <laughs> when they translate from dutch it says uh Glucose syrup is one word. Wheat flour is one word. Sugar molasses is one word. Licorice extract is one word. Cocoa powder is one word. Hmm. Mm. Well, there's bee wax in here. No wonder it's so delicious. Okay. <clears throat> well, I mean, you know, they, they don't have time to waste. You know, they got to you know, make everything one word. They're too busy being the freaky deaky Dutch. Mm -hmm. Um. All right. So uh, speaking of patrons, we want to thank the patrons at our executive level. Coming in at the $25... Um, Uncommon man tier. Oh, you know what? I haven't even switched my monitor over here. Oh my goodness. So I'm so out of practice. It's been a whole week since we recorded. Um, coming in at the $25 uncommon man tier, we have Oversnakfi and Purple Maniac. At the uh, 15 squid tier, we have. 
That's right. Alan ain't too proud to beg. At the $10 good doctor, good doctor tier, we have Dr. Jill Brees and Dr. Mike Catan. At the turn it up to $11 tier, Clay Wambacher, Frank Tealgard Mortensen, Mickelstein, and Will Porter, PhDPP. At the $10 Someone Came tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, and Better Call Saul Evans. At the Huesoween by 2033 tier, we have Fielding Fowler. And at the In Memoriam tier, we have Gerald, Jerry, Kelly, and family. Thank you so much. Um, okay. Now, before we get into it, before we get into the, the old, the old music rooney as I like to call it, uh, there's something that we have to do, a little housekeeping, and that is, of course... Postcards from the Edge of Connecticut. And uh, this week actually coming to us um, from a little closer to where I am, from New York, Long Island in particular. And here's a little uh, picture of a, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like just a vintage sort of old timey room that looks like it should be in a museum. Um, actually, it looks like the, the, the bread and breakfast we got for, for our wedding. Um, but it is not. This is in Long Island, um, and it says, Nate, here is a greeting from Long Island for you. Pete, P.S., where is Richie? Um, and then it also has signed, um, uh, sister number one signed it, sister number two signed it, and sister number three. So this is what we would call in the, in the business a Gardo quadfecta, all... <laughs> All three older sisters, and I believe Pete is the youngest, um, signed this this uh, card. So thank you very much to the the Gardot family. They must be having a wonderful. Um, um, oh, they maybe more likely this he just had this in his house, and they were at his house. <laughs> they signed it. I was like, of course they're not in Long Island. He just has these. Uh, it says Sheraton beds, hand hooked rugs, and woven bed coverlets. East Hampton, Long Island. Ooh, East Hampton, the birth the birthplace of John Howard Payne. All right. So there you go. He did use a postcard stamp, uh, which I got a lot of trouble for not using when I sent him one. So thank you mm. to the Gardo for the uh, the wonderful postcard. No, um, no obsolete, uh, <laughs> obsolete coupons for me. <laughs> All right. Now, I, um, Nate, uh, if you would, um, I'd like to make an introduction and you could start up the start up the music again. OK, here we go. All right. So now. We have no started from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> after after my introduction, now here we're gonna start a segment postcards from the edge of Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> here I got this postcard from one oh. my co-host. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell this is. <laughs> is it a shower curtain? <laughs> it's a it's a stage with a curtain. Oh, okay. Well, I um, also I uh, forgive me because like um, when when it rains, my mailbox gets <laughs> gets wet. So on the inside, <laughs> oh, so no. some of your writing was smeared. Oh man, John here at Tallison again. Last time, uh, something I, I I think you said I was here for work, right? Yeah, was about ten it? years ago, I I had a um. We had a work event there. It's, yeah. it's pronounced, it looks like Taliesin, like the Book of Taliesin, but it's pronounced yeah. Taliesin. Still no Book of Taliesin. No Book Sad of Taliesin. Sad face, Nate. <laughs> and yeah, this is the the Hillside Hillside Homeschool Theater at Taliesin, 
Yep. Spring Green, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It's we'll say Tallison. Yep. Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, home, and he had a little like studio there with a theater and everything. And we, we for work, we went there about ten years ago. Actually, almost exactly ten years ago. It was June of uh, of twenty thirteen. We went there and we spent uh, three, four days there and, and had mm. doing presentations on that very stage, which was under construction when we visited. But um, Jen and I took a trip up there, our first trip without the kids in eight and a half years. Mm-hmm. And much to their dismay, they were all like, this is not fair. You're going without us. It's not fair. <laughs> it's like, really, guys? My Even my daughter is like, it's not fair. I'm like, you realize the last time we went on a trip without you, you actually were with us because your mother was pregnant. Um, kids love to, love to like say that things aren't fair. Yes. And you should tell them wait and wait for a little bit, and then when you're an adult, everything's not fair. Yeah, you, that's when you just really start sounding like your parents at every turn. Everything they say, you're like, because I said so. Life isn't fair. All this stuff. You're like, oh my god. But it's true. Yeah, you think yeah, you think you're upset now. Hmm. Yeah, just wait. Just wait till you see what not fair is really like. Not fair uh-huh. is not being able to take a trip without your kids, except every eight and a half years. So you realize, I said, the next time that we take a trip, if we keep this current schedule, you'll be driving, and your brothers will be in college, and you'll be driving. So shut up. Um, <laughs> then you'll be begging. You'll be begging. Oh, no, yeah, please go away. Go leave yeah. us for the weekend. Yeah, exactly. They'll they'll love it. Mm. Thankfully, we have cameras in the house, so we can keep an eye on. Yeah, no house yeah parties. you can send um, you know, send Uncle John out there to check on him. I'll just show up. <laughs> yeah, surprise! Here's Johnny. Well, you still you scared them before they met you because you sent that picture of you holding a knife. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, tell him, Uncle Johnny. I think it was like I was trying to get my kids to bed so we could do the show or something. And you were like, tell him, Uncle Johnny said to be quiet or something. And you were holding a knife and I showed them and they were, like, ah! and they were scared. <laughs> Thankfully, they met Wait, you. No wonder, no wonder your daughter didn't want to talk to me the first time I met her. <laughs> She's like, that's the guy with the knife. Only scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> Gave her nightmares. Yeah, like, ah, it's the boogeyman. I no, probably, it's just, it's just John. I probably should not have sent them that. <laughs> um, but hey, Dad um, of the year, <laughs> we do have, we do have um, a new Apple Podcasts rating. Ayo, just came in hot off the transom. Uh, so let's see, is this one the one hundredth rating? Oh, sorry. Not quite oh. there yet, but hopefully soon. Uh, this one is from Chaz Mataz. So I, I would just assume this is from Chaz, who does the great regarding Lulu podcast uh, for anyone who wants to um, uh, torture themselves with the Lulu album. Uh, There's actually some really, really good insight and does uh, uh, when I did you ever hear the Lulu album? Oh, no. Yeah. When it first came no, out, I, I was like, I've never liked about it. I've never liked <laughs> Lou Reed ever. So I was like, okay, so let me just listen to this Lou Reed with Metallica as a backing man. I gotta hear what this is. And I probably got 30 seconds into it and was just like, I can't I can't even listen to this. And then like years <laughs> later I tried it again and maybe got even less far into it. So actually listening to the whole thing with them, I can say <clears> it, <throat> it is it just as bad as <laughs> it is it, it is as what bad is all the way through. Like, what is it? It's so it's it's this uh, I guess there's these play these plays called the Lulu plays were written by this German playwright and Lou Reed wrote uh, 
like some lyrics and stuff about the plays and Metallica's basically backing him up and he's like I hesitate to use the word singing over what they're doing um and he's mostly just like kind of like rambling and like narrating or yeah and he's just like oh well, go away from here and he's it's all out of it's out of pitch it's out of time it's there's no rhythm it's like very it's not for me. I know this this uh, this mm. this album has been a punching bag for a long time. Uh, so I don't want to like just uh, jump on the bandwagon and and parrot what everyone else is saying, but it is truly awful. So now is it is it um, guessing it's Metallica but not sounding like Metallica? They're playing like in a different style. No, they're pretty much I I, I would say for some of the songs, uh, they are playing what you in some in a way that you would never expect it to be Metallica, but I'd say probably 90% of it is them just doing like Metallica style, like riffing and stuff. So it's, oh, it's, it's right. definitely, um, it's definitely got their trademark to it, but it's just Lou Reed talking over it out of time. And then sometimes like, uh, you know, like, um, Hatfield will come in with a background vocals. They'll be like, small time girl. Yeah. And then you'll be like, okay, that's Metallica. And then, but Lou Reed's like, oh yeah. And she's saying all this, like really, it's like very, it's like a style that I definitely don't care for. Cause it's a very like, um, uh, and you know, th these guys don't like the album either. <laughs> I mean, uh -huh. they critically analyzed it in a very smart and interesting way. And I'd, I'd recommend anyone if they're interested in that music at all. It's, it's interesting to hear the background because they did the, they did a ton of homework on the plays and all that sort of stuff. And they know the kind of history of it. And they really take a, an approach of like, we're trying to appreciate this. And at the end of the day, you know, I don't think they're super convinced, um, mm. But uh, yeah, they're they're the only ones that could get me through that album. Um, so yeah, so it's yeah, it's just. But anyway, the style of it is very much like super super sexual and also like super super macabre or like um like everything's like about like like violence and sex and suicide and all that sort of stuff. And so it's like definitely not my cup of tea because I'm not really well. I guess I'm into some of that stuff. Not so much suicide and death and all that. <laughs> it's just like I don't I don't get that weird like. Um, uh, aesthetic of like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill me. Let's have sex. <laughs> it's like, it's, <laughs> it's like it's just a weird oh, very good. concept for me where it's just like, I don't know, like one of those things sounds good. The others two do not sound as good. Like, let's not guess which one. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Not so much into the violence and the suicide and all that. I just don't, you mm. know, you probably, you know, in, in high school, there were those kids that were like, you know, all gothy and like oh yeah like all just like i just i don't know i never never went for it mm. anyway that's a long aside chaz mataz writes in from the u.s five stars the subject is pointed fun he said these guys love music and you can hear it pointed commentary and laughs a great listen with a fascinating catalog so thank you chaz yeah, And if you want to ch check out Chaz's show or any of the shows on the Deep Dive Podcast Network, just go to deepdivepodcastnetwork.com, check out the master feed, and you can get into some great shows or check out our website. We've got links to to that um, that website and all those other great shows. All right. So here we are. Um, we are at the second half of long album title part two. 
Uh, <laughs> you just you just gave up, huh? Yeah, I didn't even do the full album title in the introduction because I was like, this is just too much. Um, but oh, yeah, so I so just made up my name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yours was yours was more true to it. So yeah, when we le- last left you, we were in the middle of an album that, um, while it was called blues, we didn't think it was particularly bluesy. Although some parts were kind of trying to be blues, we had a lot of analysis and talk about that. But uh, here we are in the in the second half. We got six more tracks to to throw at you this week, and um, oh. I don't know. Are we are we ready yeah. to go? Ready to do this? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think in our um, yeah we didn't. Well, I responded, <clears throat> but um, uh, Jonathan had. Um, texted us today about oh i our saw that when i was um episode yeah i was on a call with my with my with my daughter with her doctor and i um i didn't look at it so i forgot to yeah yeah but my like um he kind of put into words the way that i felt about how musicians were getting bluesy at this time he said um he called it the that roots are cool 90s rock movement oh that's a good which yeah. which is a really good way of putting it, I think, because it's just like when we were talking, I think, last week about like all especially the hair metal bands, all of a sudden they were like, you, you know, you said they were having that kind of hybrid look of like kind of like jeans and like plaid, you know, vests and like their hair was still long, but they weren't spraying it up anymore. And they were kind of growing yeah. stubble and they were playing like bluesy or like they were having like slide guitars and, and more bandanas and stuff. And um, <clears throat> yeah, like, I mean, the, like look the beginning and of the like music. Uncle Tom's Cabin by Warrant, right? Like, right, that, right. Yeah. Bluesy guitar. Right. Yeah, like all, all these bands are doing like this stripped down, like, uh, you know, we're doing more bluesy and, uh, you know, the the production was more stripped down and everything. So I feel like this was a a product of that that movement, um, which, you know, that's that was like, I think, the perfect phrasing for it. You know, he's always got away with words. So I don't want to don't want to steal that. I'm going to give credit where it's due. Yeah. Jonathan um, is a, a really smart guy and he he comes up with some very good analysis. Yeah. But that is definitely what was going on here. And um, kind of funny because it's like that was not really the direction that music was going in. Like, I mean, some bands were trying to sound like grungier, but, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them, I think, started off doing the whole stripped down blues sound slash image type thing. Yeah. Um, Although (laughs) this was really weird because, you know, Glenn just went for the you know, the, the Ted Danson hairdo and the Canadian tuxedo look, <laughs> which Ted was dancing. <laughs> he did. He looks like freaking Ted Danson. <laughs> it was like that, that helmet hair, you know, I wonder if, uh, you know, he talked about the, um, his, his wife, Christine at the time. I, I wonder if he was actually married to Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> Ted Danson's wife, oh Mary Steenburgen, you know, oh yeah. Wait a minute. Say say the whole thing. <laughs> say the whole thing again. I'm not going to say the whole thing again. <laughs> Wait, I, it went I, over like a fart in church the first time. Why should I uh, say it again? Because I don't know. Never I was mind. saying maybe you know maybe he was actually married to Mary Steenburgen. Remember Mary Steenburgen's? She was married to Ted. Well, she's still married to Ted Danson. No, <laughs> yeah. Remember when they were married before, but now not anymore because we forgot about Ted Danson. She, you know, she's now. the uh, the mom in, no. in Elf. Oh, that's who she is. And okay, the, and, the, and the school marm in Back to the Future Three. <laughs> marm that full. <laughs> yeah, no, I no. She's one of those people where it's like I know the name, and yeah. if I like, I've seen the actress, but I've never like I forgot her name because it's very it's odd. 
It's and a so, weird name. It is. She's ha- she and Ted Danson have been happily married for many, mm-hmm. many years. Yes. She's also and, in Curb Your Enthusiasm as herself. And she is not married to Glenn Hughes for the in this episode for the purposes of laughs. As far as I know, she's not married to Glenn Hughes, but maybe she should be. <laughs> Do you ever think of that? <laughs> no. All right. This is play a song. All We're right. Getting- <laughs> We're getting, we're getting ridiculous All right. now. The next track up, the next track up <laughs> on this album is called Shake Your Ground. Ooh. I like that. It's like a little funky blues. Yeah, this sounds like a little more it like Hendrixy. Oh, yeah. So, standard blues progression, but in a very funky... Yeah, but it sounds like he... Yeah, he threw a little funk in there. A little stank. Put a little stank on it. Yeah, I mean, it's Glenn. You know, he can't not be funky somehow and as we have been doing almost forgot this one has um, Tony Franklin on bass again lead guitar is by Darren Householder he's a household name (laughs) you mean a householder name (laughs) sure Um, he doesn't have a lot of credits (laughs) on Discogs not a ton Who was, um, oh, you said bass. Who was drums? I think uh, whoever's drums on the album. Uh, oh. Which I don't have up right now. Oh. Were drums like all, like the same guy? I can't remember. My copy, my copy of the album is behind me. I can't reach it. Um, all right, yeah. Lazy Bones. L.A. <laughs> 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 Z bones. Um, let me see if I can reach it. Well, I can. I can probably reach it. I just don't know where the hell on that freaking rack it is. Um, I don't want to know that bad. Yeah, but <clears throat> you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go to deeppurplepodcast.com and look it up. <laughs> ah, your source for all things deep purple related. Exactly. Gary Ferguson on drums. Well, that's disappointing. I don't know who that is. Yeah, we talked so about all last that, week. All that work for nothing. You're he, just like, oh, it's Carmine a piece, you know. Or he so. played with Billy Preston, Eddie Muddy. He was on the Hughes, oh. Hughes Thrall album. Oh, okay. Well, makes sense since Hughesy used his friends on this album. Nice. <laughs> nice. 
Man, he was just like, you know what? Be as Tony Franklin-esque as possible on this. Exactly. In case anyone's missing that this is a fretless, remind them. Ah, classic householder. (laughs) (laughs) He was in an album called Peach Fuzz. He doesn't have a ton of credits, though. Discogs must have changed their site layout like today. So like I can't find (laughs) anything. (laughs) Also, another shrapnel, a shrapnel records album called Sonic Aggression. You know, it's going to be like some super shred album. (laughs) Another album called Ominous Guitarists from the Unknown and Metal Guitars. So he seems to be on a lot of these like compilation metal shredder albums, but yeah, I'm surprised he doesn't uh, have much else. He's a really good player. And he looks like his picture that I'm looking at here in Discogs. It's like, oh, yeah, this guy could be on like in like if you told me he was in kicks, I'd be like, oh, sure. But he's got the <laughs> like flannel vest and the beaded necklace, and the long hair. Oh, all right. Very trick tricksterish look. <laughs> Trickster. Oh, he's on Instagram. Where the song is going, or should it say has gone because it's almost over? Mm. Nice, shake the ground, shake it, shake it, baby. What do you think of that one, John? Not bad. I think that was a, a a decent little rocker, funky rocker, a blues funk, blues funk fusion or whatever. I'll, I'll give it a three. All right. Yeah, I like the, um, yeah, I like the, 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 you know, I, I didn't think it was outstanding, but I mean, you know, it was like cool vibe, you know, they had that kind of like a wah guitar in the background doing that. Yeah. You know, give it that little funk feel. Yeah. Hughes sounding a little more, at home doing what he usually does vocally. Like it sounds more like he was almost like, um, like falling back on his, in his comfort zone, you know, cause he, he sounded like something that would have been on one of his other albums, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to this other stuff, which sounded like, you know, he was, yeah, he was trying a little bit to be bluesy, but you know, this one had a little more of a funk, funk type edge to it. So it was, it was all right. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I'll give this one a four. I really, really liked it. It's, oh. I, I would say it's certainly my favorite track on the album so far. Um, I love that that outro was really strong, and um, just kind of like the the groove of it. It seemed like it was the most in 
staying true to keeping kind of a it was probably even though it was the sort of the funkiest and least blues it was also kind of the most bluesy thing i think we've heard so far um we're kind of coming in i think i mentioned in the last episode like robert cray i love robert cray it reminded me like it could almost be like a robert cray kind of song the way he's like bouncing on those hendrix style chords and and stuff Mm -hmm. like that i just I, i i really dig it i like this i like it i like it um all right. Well, the next track up is Hey Buddy, <clears throat> You Got Me Wrong. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ha! ha! He's going to tell us a story. Sing it, Glenn. Actually, I kind of like this. I'm guessing it's uh, TF again on the bass. TF? Tony Um, Franklin. I'm going to call him TF now. I I noticed that. It is indeed TF on the guitar. Uh, On the bass, rather. On the guitar, the first solo is Paul Pesco. And the second is Craig Erickson. Well, you got some really authentic sounding like uh, blues fills in here. Mm -hmm. Paul Pesco has played with uh, Madonna and Hall & Oates. Not too shabby. Not a bad resume. He's got a lot of credits. I mean, it's pretty standard type of stuff with some cool chord changes in there. Okay. You know, Hughes is like settling in there, sounding pretty good. Doesn't sound like he's trying to force it. Here's Paul Pesco. And I've got a... A Paul Pesco fact that's going to blow your mind after this. Ooh. Now this is the second solo by um, Craig Erickson. assume this is back to Pesco? Well, I'm converted. Cool I'm a pescatarian now. This guy's great. <laughs> How long have you had that one in your back pocket? Yeah, about 
since I read his name. <laughs> But the thing about Paul Pesco is he played guitar in CNC Music Factory's Things That Make You Go, hmm. <laughs> Just not expecting to see as I scrolled through his discography. Was that the fact that was going to blow my mind? Yeah. Does oh, not... I thought you were going to say something like he auditioned for Kiss or something. <laughs> no, he was in Kiss, no. Yeah, Gene Paul, Paul and somebody else. He was, he was uh, Paul Pesco, the fish. <laughs> <laughs> he had makeup gills on his neck. <laughs> but then Paul Stanley said, no, we can't have two Pauls. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't they already have two Pauls? I guess one of the Pauls had to change his name, right? Yes. What, what could they have named him? Oh, he's play Man, he's played on everything. He's played on like Mariah Carey. He was the go-to guy for CNC Music Factory, apparently. Hmm. Well, he's damn bluesy. He is damn bluesy. Probably just one of those just like legendary studio guys because he's on hundreds and hundreds of things. When you screams, get out of my face, you do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, want, I don't want to start any static with the Husey. Jeez, um, when he's like, get out, it's just like, ooh, he could have been a Jesus Christ superstar. <laughs> he probably was looking at his resume here. But I would say, much like the first half of this album, these songs are all like six minutes long, and yeah, do they need to be? Hmm. No. Um, I know we've had extended conversations about Jesus Christ Superstar, but have we ever pontificated about Hughes singing the Jesus part? We must have. I'm sure we must have brought it up at some point, but that would be interesting. I don't know. I just feel like he's got the he's got the. The vocals. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it would be good. You know. I mean, just be like. Oh, I mean, he's got the chops to do it for sure. Oh yeah, but I mean, I'm just like thinking like, like how Husey he could make it. I mean, even if he sang like one of the songs somewhere, I wonder if there's ever. I wonder if he ever thought about doing it, or if he ever did, because I mean, it's just like he could handle. He could do it now. Oh yeah, easily. You know, he'd be like, get out, get out. <laughs> Judas, <laughs> must you betray me <laughs> with a kiss? <laughs> <laughs> goes into that whistle voice. <laughs> that, that one line lasts like a minute and a half. <laughs> with a kiss, I love you, Jesus. I mean, Judas, I forgot who I am. That'd be great. <laughs> Oh, I would I would only want to see it if he absolutely husified it to the max, <laughs> like like absolutely ruined it. He's being so husey. It would just be so amazing. I think that that's that that's an idea whose time has come. He needs to like 
we need to tell him this when we go see you in Worcester. It's just like <laughs> yeah. you need you need to like, be like after this tour. Out, get out. <laughs> you need to do this right now. Like just quit this tour. Yeah. <laughs> We saw you. We're good. Screw everybody else. Just go find some community theater uh, group that's doing this and just you, you're a shoe in. That would be, I yeah, that would be absolutely They did it, awesome. you know, a few years ago. They had John Legend and they did that big televised one. They could have just do it again. Just do a big televised one on Easter with Glenn Hughes live. Be amazing. <laughs> you come out wearing the dark glasses that he wears. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he won't even he won't even take those glasses off. He'll just see, you know. So Paul uh, Pesco, yes. Also, oh, right, back he, to the task at hand. He was on Madonna's debut album. Hmm. All right. He He's played. Uh, on, I agree there. He played on Lucky Star and um, Burning Up. Hmm. Um, All right. Those are two well-known songs. Yeah, this guy's just like on everything. I mean, it's just. Donna Summer. Uh, I mean, just scroll through. It's just Whitney Houston. I mean, it's just what a what a resume. He just uh, probably was just around the studio that day, and they're like, "Hey, you want to just jump in on this for whatever reason?" Sure. Yeah, probably can, just uh, like a studio guy. That's the best thing about this is like, "Hey, we we're doing a one four five blues. You want to do a one take guitar solo? It'll take you two and a half minutes? Sure." can plug in and just just bust out a a blues solo. There's that that's like nothing to a player like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played with wow. Shaka Khan, Eddie Murphy. Was he? Is he like my girl wants to party all the time? He played on that <laughs> with Rick James. Did, did he? I'm looking. Paul Pesco. Where is he? It says he's on this album, but I don't, I don't really see him. Right. Oh, oh, there he is. Yeah, he, I mean, he's listed as one of the guitars, but I don't know like specifically what songs he would have mm. been on. But um, yeah, it's crazy. What a. And this guy would be like a great guy to interview. Just like, I mean, how many stories would he have? Debbie Gibson, New Kids on the Block. This guy's. <laughs> it's like Nate's like, just when you thought it couldn't get any better. No, oh my God, my favorite. Uh, he was on um, a Samantha Fox album. Another, uh, you know, and, and uh, what's uh, what's his name from Gillen was on a Samantha. He put, went on to play with Samantha Fox. Or, uh, it's crazy. Um, oh, anyway. I just remember that. That song she had, Samantha Fox, Samantha Fox. What was the, like, what was the, the, the big hit she had? I think it was that one. Was it? No, wasn't it like something about like, about sex? <laughs> that's a, that's hey, a little broad, don't you think? My, my Samantha Fox is not so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, wait a minute. Um. Hang on. Samantha yeah, what was Fox. her like? She had like a big hit. Like, um, what the heck was her big hit? Samantha. Fox. Hang on, I'm on it. All right, he, he's on it, folks. I'm on it. Um, touch me, I want your body. And then also, and then following that was I want to have some naughty fun. girls. Naughty girls. What? That's the one. Naughty girls need love. Bump, 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 bump. Two. Remember that one? Um, I want to have some fun. Okay. Yeah, well, I remember, I want to have some fun. I want to have some fun. Was that her? Yeah. Yeah, there but you go. The fir- but her first one from her debut was Touch Me, I Want Your Body, which I remember I remember both of those being So I would out. say that's but about I mean, sex. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I want to have some fun. Could could be about sex. The touch me, I want your body is a little. <laughs> I want to have more... some fun. I don't think she wants to like do go karts, <laughs> go go bowling. <laughs> yeah, but touch me is a little more forward. Yeah, it's a little more. Yeah, she got a little, a little more straightforward in her older age. So yeah, well, um, I remember she was one of those. Do you remember in like the magazines, it, probably in like the metal magazines you're reading at the time, there'd be like a whole page of these tiny little posters you could order. And yeah. there's always like a Samantha Fox one where she was like scantily clad and like ripping something off. And I yeah. remember what's else? Um, Nicole, uh, the girl that was on, on Charles in Charge, she was always in there. Oh, you remember like the, the older daughter? Do- yeah. I don't even remember what, but. Yeah. It was her and Samantha Fox and uh, like Elle McPherson. And there were all these like little posters of the you could get you could you could buy in these metal magazines. And their pictures were so small. It was like <laughs> I just I don't know. I, I don't know who was ordering those. I bet a bunch of people were. But well, yeah, I maybe, mean, you know, they're just squinting and being like, I think that looks sexy. <laughs> I think I'm going to put this up in my room. I'll 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 roll the dice. Yeah, I'll send them a, a cash a check or money order and wait six to eight weeks to get this poster of Samantha Fox. All right. So this was Buddy, you got me wrong, John. How do you rank this one? Oh, buddy, don't get me wrong, but I, I think it's one of the one of the better songs on the album. I'll give it a three point five. All right. Um I'll deduct a half a point because it was too long. Mm. <laughs> but um but overall i think it's um even though it's um i think a lot of these like uh well i mean you know there's really only so much you can do with blues songs i mean when you do a you know your your standard blues progression how original are you going to be right um but this one was one of the more enjoyable ones and i really liked the guitar solos i like the i like the tone i like the fills i mean obviously uh pesco there is a uh, you know, enough of a uh, professional that he was able to make it uh, very interesting. And um, yeah, I think that Hughes did another great uh, vocal job. Not that uh, we always say he never does any rotten vocals. It's just uh, he kind of sounded, you know, more comfortable and at home in this one as well. So yeah, overall, pretty, pretty good stuff. All right. I'll give this one a three. I liked it as well. You know, again, not to beat it over the head, but yeah, these songs are a little long. Says the guys who are making the two-hour podcasts every week, but um, they're hey <laughs> um, But it's <laughs> yeah, they're just like yeah, they. I think you know I'm no, I love long songs, and we've had some great long songs on here that we really really love. But when you're talking about like a one four five blues song, unless it's doing something really out there, like. Three and a half minutes, four minutes tops, I think is probably fine unless there's extended guitar solos. But, you know, to be a six minute song, in my mind, you got to have some sort of like structure and build and something interesting in the arrangement. And, um, you know, this is just kind of straightforward, which is nothing wrong with. Um, But yeah, overall, I'm thinking this this album, you know, if you shaved off two minutes from every song, how much would you really lose? But, you know, they're also trying to cram in all these great guest musicians. So, you know, some solos and whatnot. Um, Okay. So next track up is Have You Read the Book? What book? I guess we're going to find out. Now, who's our guitarist here? Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting to look. Oh, (laughs) 
This is one I was looking forward to you asking. Um, Mick Mars. Oh, all right. So he does the first solo, and then who does the the intro, outro, and fills? So that wasn't Darren you were really hearing. He, Mick Mars does the first solo, and Darren Householder takes it over again for the rest. Again, they were probably in the studio. They're like, hey, is that Bob Deal? Let's get him in here. And they just record <laughs> the solo, and that's it. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to bust out Bob Deal. I never miss an opportunity to mention Bob Deal. Yo, Bobby D, get in here. <laughs> Bobby D. <laughs> Could have been his rap name. I just think if your name is Bob Deal, why change it? That's such a great name. I don't know. Mick Mars has a much better ring to it. If there was some guy that looked like Cousin It with, like, lipstick and pentagrams going like this, and, you know, you heard that his name was Bob Deal, you wouldn't be afraid of him. I would. That's interesting backing vocals. Here's, Here's Bob. Interesting. I'm guessing it's TF again on bass. Yeah. That didn't sound anything like Mick Mars, and I mean, I know his playing really well, and I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't spot any of his... No trademarks? No. Which is actually really cool. It I mean, just it just kind of shows how diverse versatile. he is. Well, I've always heard how diverse he was, and I mean, I always thought that he did some really cool stuff. But he's got a very distinct sounding style, usually. Like, I, I picked out Warren D. Martini when you said that they were his solos. Yeah. This, to me, sounds like it could, like, it would be on home at the on the Hughes Thrall album. It's a little poppier than some of the other tracks, I think. book is the book the bible hmm. by any chance it's quite possible i was thinking it was more like um or i thought i was thinking it was less literal like are you judging me by the way i look or have you actually mm-hmm. looked inside me but it could it could very well be how, after he was, you know, kind of getting into his more religious phase here. Well, that's, <clears throat> you know, that's why I 
was wondering that. <laughs> Actually, Glenn, we don't. We were just talking about that. We don't know what you're talking about. It could be. It could I mean, go either I, way. I know it's kind of cool because I don't know it's if I read the book. <laughs> the book, yeah, so it was capitalized. But um, or it could be just him telling you know a woman like, "Don't judge me by how I look. Judge my actions or whatever." Um, mm-hmm. But it's kind of cool because it's open to interpretation. You can interpret it many different ways. So, what do you think about? Have you read the book? Mm, whoops. Mm. Um, I, I thought it was a pretty, pretty good, pretty interesting. Um, I'll give it a three. Um, kind of, um, kind of disappointed. It wasn't more of a Mick Marzi solo. It was more of a Bob Deal solo. <laughs> but that's ego. okay. Um, I mean, I think. Um, I, I mean, the 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 song in general was kind of, um, you know, average. But um, what you pointed out was is that the the chorus, you know, the background vocals, kind of, kind of cool, kind of interesting. Yeah, it was a little more, you know, kind of in that poppy vein. Yeah, kind of caught my interest a little bit. I liked it. I All right. <clears throat> um, I'll give this one a three point five. Was I liked that it was upbeat. It was a little different. It was still hmm. obviously kind of in the blues vein, but not not too on the nose and not so different that it was like wildly innovative. But yeah. it was definitely a good song. Okay, so this next track up, uh, Glenn Hughes said was his favorite track on the album. And I know he said earlier, I think on the previous album, that was his favorite ballad, but this is his favorite song on the uh, album. Okay. It doesn't sound like a fun subject uh, matter, but it's called Life of Misery. So here we go. Pretty upbeat so far for a song with that title. I'm into it. Oh, a little Black Sabbath reference. not feeling it i don't i think the lyrics are kind of obvious yeah like the rhyme scheme is kind of just like my first song like he rhymes the you know what i mean it's like the the rhyme scheme is kind of yeah pedestrian so it takes you out of the song because he's like he rhymes like the last word of the verse with like the 
you know, the the first verse with the last verse. Yeah. And I'll never take that road again. Oh, it's a classic. Uh, and like, a, yeah, but a classic, uh, I don't know, trope. Like today I'm feeling fine. It's like, yeah, you know, I get it. I don't know. I just think it's like a little too like it's autobiographical, but it's almost just like it's handing it to you on a plate. You know, there's like no subtlety to it. Whereas so we were just talking like, mm. with the previous song, how it was open to interpretation. This one's pretty obvious. Craig Erickson, Erickson and guitar on this one. And you know how I don't like uh, certain, you know, lyrics that are just uh, a certain way. Like when I notice the lyrics, it's either a really good thing or really bad <laughs> It's sticking thing. out of the song because you notice the lyrics. <laughs> know i just think that like they, they kind of make it sound like he's a beginner songwriter and he's not at this point nope i had to open the lyric sheet because i thought he said there was a time in my life when i was a camel when he said it the first time. I was like, I can't have that mm. right. see him do a uh, do something with Robert Cray I think their voices would work well together too hmm that could be interesting bringing Tony Franklin on the bass too That's it. That's Life of Misery. What do you think of that one, John? Well, it might be might be Hughes's favorite song on the album, but not mine. Not Johnny's. No, I'll whoa, Jesus. I gave it a 32.5. Man, you you've been on that this whole uh this whole yeah. album you've been throwing off the spreadsheet. Yeah. Oh, oh wait a minute. I think you oh, just Jesus. erased your right. old ratings. I know, I know. What did I give it? A 3.5, the other one? I think you, I don't know. Just do control Z. <laughs> I can't. What? Oh, you're on your phone? Shake yeah. it. Shake your phone. It'll undo it. <laughs> it does. Uh, if no. you shake your phone, it, it says undo. Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now it's blank. 
No, you you have to watch the YouTube version of the show for this to see John shaking his phone. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have you read the no, I, no, that just redid it back to what I just put. Maybe it let me do it. Let me see if I can do it. No, I'm just undoing my own <laughs> ratings. <laughs> I just saw ratings disappear at an alarming rate. I think you um <laughs> I oh, we have to do the whole album over again. I think I think you gave it a 3. Have you read the book? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, you All didn't right, give well, it a 2.5. No. All right. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Fumbling with the spreadsheet and it's fine. I know we're not even there yeah. yet. Well, what I gave it regardless, I'm giving, I'm giving, have you read the book of three? What was it? A th- now this is going to bother me. Well, somebody will listen and write in if we got it wrong. Well, well how do you feel about it now? Somebody will tell us if remember. we're wrong. I'm we're giving it a three. If you're listening and you know it was a 3.5, let us know. I'm not yeah, going to listen back and it. find out. All right, so life of life of misery two point five okay. because you know um, yeah it it might be Hughes's favorite song but not mine. All right, um, yeah I just um, I just think like the the lyrics just sounded way too beginner songwriter for me and that just took me out of the song. You know, Fair sorry, enough. John. Sorry. There's nothing to apologize for. I'm gonna give it a three. I thought it was good. Um, I, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't find the lyrics to be as offensive as you did. I thought they were just, you know, I thought they were, you know, I thought he was just kind of singing from the heart and talking about what he'd been through, but I can totally see what you're saying. I don't disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, the next track up is called can't take away my pride. A little Tommy Bolin in there. Oh yeah, burn. burn it. That was perfectly synchronized. <laughs> These like guitars are really hard panned in the left and the right channel. The two different guitarists, and this guitar solo, I believe, is also by a one Bob Deal. He's doing all the slide guitars. There you go. No. Oh. Well, all right. Well, that sounds more like him because he he did a lot of that. Which I believe he was a, f- a fan of Tommy Bolin. I think so. Didn't they do a, a Tommy Bolin song, Motley Crue? Teaser. Yes. I feel like they should have gotten C.C. Devell for this album. <laughs> eh. They got Richie Kotzen, which was probably the better guitar- better poison guitarist. Technically. <laughs> he said Mick Mars, y'all. Did, did he? Did I, did I talk over it? Yes, you're dead. Oh, shit. No, I think you just ignored it. <laughs> you might have to go. You might have to go back. 
Like later. Okay. Or now. Go back now. Go back. I'll go back after the song. All right. I think it was around the <clears throat> one minute, 45 second mark or so. I think Mick is showing himself to be a very, very competent blues player. Nice. Yeah, that was definitely, I could pick that out as a Mick Mars solo, because he's done slide work like that in Motley Crue. This is Glenn on bass, and Glenn will be doing bass on the last track as well. I like that part where they start, they stopped and we're just doing that kind of like clean sounding finger picking. That mm -hmm. was really interesting. Ooh. Ooh, that was very Tommy too. Maybe that's why I liked working with them. Yeah, maybe. You reminded them of uh, TB. They went, he's like, ah, that's a sound I haven't heard in a long time. That is uh, Can't Take Away My Pride. John, what do you think of that one? That was, that was, um, I would say, mildly enjoyable. Hey, mm. don't fall all over yourself here. Yeah, I'll give it a three. All right. I thought it had some good, um, it, it really reminded me of how much, um, you know, uh, of a, of a, uh, kind of a Bolin inspired blues player McMars is. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I, I you know, I think the song had some cool stuff in it, but overall just you know, just another just another album track. Yeah. It was a bit shorter though. It was four what, what did that one clock in oh. at? Four twenty-three. So, you know, they had added another minute and a half to that. I think would be a little crazy. Um, I'll give it a 3.5. I liked it a lot. I li like I said, I liked that little breakdown part where they were just a ding, 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 play, playing the little mm. uh, finger-picked part. It was really cool. Yeah. I thought uh, Bobby D's uh, soloing on it was great. Um, yeah. Oh, he said Mick Mars in it. He said the name. Oh, crap. That's right. We got to go back. All right. Let's listen. Um, it was on like two, the two-ish mark or somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, I think it was a little. It was like, wow, Mick Mars, you <laughs> let's see let's go right around here oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. Oh, play the blues, Mick Mars, y'all. <laughs> That's awesome. I got to like see if I can isolate that. <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, man, I'm glad, definitely. You, I'm glad you brought that up. I almost forgot. <laughs> play the blues, Mick Mars. Mick Mars is the only one that got a special shout out. Oh, yeah, play me a blues solo, Darren Householder, y'all. <laughs> Should have given everyone that opportunity. Bass solo, Tony Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Last track up is a song called, if I can find it here. Oh, I somehow. <laughs> Lead guitar, Warren D. Martini. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. Maybe he did do it for everyone. And like, hey, we got to cut some of these out. It's too much. <laughs> Let's just leave one in. Um, this one is A Right to Live, the album closer. There's some cool chord changes going on in here. And this is, um, he wrote this one with Richie Kotzen, actually. Ah. So he's doing all the lead guitars. Richie Kotzen was someone I kind of slept on, but our friend Dan was a huge Richie Kotzen fan, so I kind of listened to him. Yeah. He's he's incredible. Yeah. So I've heard. You don't agree, or you haven't heard? No, I haven't really heard. But I mean, I've you know I've heard a lot of uh, good things about his. I mean, I've heard some of his yeah. stuff, but I've never really gotten into it. Taken too deep a dive, but I've heard of stuff with the Winery Dogs is really good. Wow. I really like that chorus. It's very different. Kind of a very poppy, upbeat Hughes chorus. <clears throat> yeah, I like it a lot. Two, two in a row. Yeah, two in a row. I've 
He didn't get the full Richie Kotzen, but it's still pretty good. You know, it was a little more straightforward, and the Mick Mars call-out was much more stylized. Well, maybe he's like, he hasn't been able to. Imagine if he did that in Deep Purple. Play the guitar, Richie! <laughs> Richie would, like, start swinging at him. Flare <laughs> over at him. He's like, shut up. <laughs> I can picture or he him would just, just stop playing that. the guitar. He's like, now, now that you're telling me to do it, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Storms off stage. <laughs> Richie refused to play the guitar. <laughs> This is a great album closer. Yeah, very upbeat. Some tasty Richie guitar. Yep. <laughs> alright. Alright. <laughs> Sounds like he was like, alright, alright, right, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, album's over. All right, <laughs> everybody, on your way pack out. up and get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paying for this by the hour. <laughs> get the fuck up. <laughs> All right, what do you think of A Right to Live? <laughs> mm, that was uh, that was a pretty good album closer. I'll give it a three. All right. I mean, um, yeah, uh, you know, the three, nothing objectionable about it. Uh, just, uh, you know, just a, a decent little song, I think. The chorus reminded me of something, something else. I don't know what it was, but there's yeah. something else that he did. It was the da 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 da? You know, thing he's doing, yeah. yeah, it's something else that he's he's been on or he's done. I think, but I can't. It reminds think of it. me of something actually, too, but I don't think it's anything huge. But it reminds me of something. I, I really mm, like it. Yeah. Yeah, there are a couple of, I mean, aside from like the obvious, like, uh, you know, kind of blues standard sounding things, there are some things on here that are reminiscent of things that either he's done or I've heard similar kind of melodies and um, nothing wrong with them. They're they're good. Um, but yeah, I can't I can't place it, but it was it was pretty good. I will um, I will give this one a four. I think it might be my favorite track on the album even though I also mm. gave Shake the Ground a four. This one I really, really liked. I really dug that chorus. Um, yeah, this is one I'd love to see him break out. Um, maybe, maybe he has, and maybe I've just missed it, but see him do live or something, because it's really, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I really liked it. Um, but there you have it, folks. That is LA Blues Authority Volume 2, Glenn Hughes Blues. <laughs> Um, Boom! Before, as John fumbles with his spreadsheets and gets um, mentally and physically prepared to bust them out, I will um, do the next part of the show, which is to thank our core level patrons. Uh, and there are many of them. Uh, coming in at the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier, we have Michael Vader. At the $6.99, uh, the new nice price tier, we have... 
Spike the Rock Cat and Sugar T. At the episode $6.66 tier, we have Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith. Getting support from the patron Arthur Smith. Anton Glaving, Charles Meadows. Uh, at the $6.65, um, what do you call it here? $6.65 almost <laughs> evil tier, we have Kenny Wymore and Michael Bagford. At the $5.99, the nice price tier, we have Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, and Carl Helberg. At the 60 kroner Scandinavian Knights tier, we have Zwapper the Electric Alchemist and Newt Morton Johansson. At the $5.55, what's going on tier? We have Richard Fusey. At the $5 Money Lender tier, we have John Condry, German Heidel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepakoff. We have James North, Mark Hodgetts, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zern, Cynthia Doobie, Raf Calf, and Coyote Bongwater. <laughs> Thank you so much to everybody for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. And with that, you know what time it is. All right, John, where does, oh, I'm getting tired of saying it, L.A. Blues Authority Volume 2, Glenn Hughes Blues, <laughs> fall in uh, the pantheon of ranked albums? Damned if I know, because I can't <laughs> find it in here. I've been looking for it for the whole time you've been talking. I don't know, like it's not on the bottom where it usually is, is it so not? I wasn't able to. Oh, maybe it's I've not. I've tried to sort the artist alphabetically, and I can't find it. Oh, you know what we need to do here? I know, I know what to do. So I am really fumbling. All right, I'll I'll fix it for you. I should have. I think the problem is it's not in there. I'm so. truly fumbling. All right, I will I will I will settle the fumble right now by placing this in here. I will drag in this formula, and we should be ready to. Uh, it's not your fault because it wasn't in there. Okay, sort away, and we should be we should be um. It should be showing up. All right. Up. All right. You see it now. Here we go. Yep. Um, yeah, okay, wait a minute. All right, yep. let's just, w while you're looking. <laughs> just one more time for, while you sort it all out. <laughs> and since, since I messed up the, um, since I messed up the new jingle uh, because I forgot to share it with you because that seems to be my new thing. Um, Arthur, yeah. Smith, Arthur Smith's jingle. Getting support from the patron Arthur Smith. <clears throat> there you go. All right. <laughs> Everyone else heard it on the audio feed except for you. <laughs> so, okay. What do you think? All right. <clears throat> well, it's not what I think. It's what happened. Oh, so, this is not opinion. This is facts here, folks. Yeah. All right. Well, facts are that this is close to the bottom. Yeah, it um, is pretty close. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a six point two five combined rating. Um, we're we were pretty deadlocked. It's um yours was just a slightly slightly higher rating than mine. So 
I can't believe that re-machined a tribute to Deep Purple's machine head came a little bit above this. That's just a travesty. It would have come a lot above it if it wasn't for that, for that butthole surfer that zero. song. <laughs> yeah, zero. Well, I mean, they, well, I mean, they were the, it was pretty much the same overall rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and... Um, Ooh, the the battle rages on. Yeah, it was neck and neck with the battle rages on. Or neck and neck. I'm sorry, not below it, but they were all the same. Actually, that, the battle rages on, and Captain Beyond Sufficiently Breathless were all identical ratings. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, yeah, I would, I would actually like to, I mean, I know that it probably wouldn't change anything, but I would, I would like to go back and look at the battle rages on again and see if the ratings would be, and maybe one day we will uh, see if the ratings would be the same, given how much uh, we've uh, enjoyed um, some of the live versions of the songs on there. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, that's a, in some of our, that album episodes, has some pretty you know? good stuff. I think our, our main thing about it was, it's just a little disjointed. Yeah. But, um, but regardless, that is, uh, that is where the album has fallen. Um, I don't think that it's uh, one of Hughes's, strongest efforts uh you know from what we've seen here it's probably um you know it was a kind of a uh, you know by the liner notes looks like a a fan request type of album a passion project yeah you know a thing where you go into the studio and grab a bunch of your buddies and do some jams so maybe not the i mean it was co- it was definitely cohesive sounding in terms yeah. of like production and everything and his performance and um you know i think um you know, maybe just not given the subject matter, matter, not really super interesting or original or anything, but not a bad listen. There's a couple of songs in there that I infrequently go back to. And, you know, when I remember like, hey, I remember that album and, you know, put on like one or two of the songs and then it it it, it goes back into obscurity. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, but I think there was some good stuff on there. And it's important too, to remember this was his first real time apart from being like a, a supporting guy. Um, his really first time back mm. coming out with a solo album since 1977, you know, here's 15, 16 years later that he, he drops this and, um, you know, just getting back in the studio, get back in the swing of things. He hadn't even spent that much time in the studio, you know, and he was, the you know, he did some various other projects here and there, but he was more like coming in and doing his stuff. He wasn't his mm-hmm. project, you know, he was working with Tony Iommi. It was not his project. He was coming in, writing lyrics and stuff, but um, to, you know, as he said many times, he does not remember the eighties. So um, I will hold him to that. And this is probably the first thing he remembers doing in a long time. Um, so there you have it. That is LA blues authority volume two. Um, we do have, Short on info on this one, not a ton of stuff. Jeff Bryce was kind enough to send us some really good information. Um, He sends this, um, well, he sent this review from a Japanese book on Glenn Hughes. And there's a lot of good information in there. Interesting because uh, there's this new Google well, it's not that new, but it's a Google lens and you can just take it and hold it up to something in a foreign language and it would just shows mm-hmm. you the exact picture you're looking at, but in English, which is amazing. So he mm-hmm. sent me this Japanese book and I like put it through Google lens and I'm like, holy crap, it's 
you know, it's not perfect translation, but it's pretty damn close. So some good information in there. Um, one of the things that was mentioned in that that I can't really um, it doesn't really say any context, but as a quote from Gary Moore. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if it was in regards to this album or whatever, but it says Gary Moore and it says, Gary Moore said, this is not the blues. <laughs> so, I don't know if he's, if that was a reference to when he was working with Gary Moore or if Gary Moore heard this and was like, this is not the blues. I'm not doing this or whatever. Um, so I just thought that was kind of funny. That was the thing that definitely oh, stood out to me. Anybody, the most. You could have, you could have like put in like anybody's just like, this is not the blues. BB King. <laughs> <laughs> that would have sung like... even more. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> it's just like the most like just basic random quote that anybody could have said. Yeah, this is not the blues. <laughs> dash Gary Moore. <laughs> this is not the blues. Dash Albert Lee. <laughs> Albert Lee. Um, anyway, so we got uh, that. There's um, uh, there's some interview. <laughs> I'm sorry, some reviews rather. Um, this is not the blues. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, all right, I'm I'm done. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to look here. So I've got this. I've got the print copy. Yeah, I think this is the exact same. Although this album. So I guess it's slightly different. The, the online version of this review is a little different. So I'll read from the magazine. This is from Darker Than Blue, uh, issue 45, July 1993. Uh, the review goes, from what I can gather, advance orders for the CD were so good that Roadrunner had to delay the release here to avoid running out of stock almost immediately. It hasn't set the charts alight true, but there are people out there who have been itching to go out and buy a Glenn Hughes album for years. Have they been rewarded? Well, leaving aside the track computer artwork, the general opinion is this will do very nicely to be going on with. I've not had a lot of time to get into it myself, so my own comments may be brief. Uh, if we accept it for what it is... A glorified session, then it works well. Glenn is in fine form, and the lyrics probably didn't keep him from other chores too long. <laughs> oh. <laughs> then you can hardly blame him. I love that uh, Simon Robinson uh, wit. Beyond that, the disc lacks any real musical soul. No matter how hard Glenn works, the backing sound very pedestrian, really, and the lack of excitement that a proper group might have brought to the proceedings. For all that mass talent on display, there's nothing here that Led Zeppelin hadn't already said by 1969. The disc is also perhaps a little long, and some numbers overstay their welcome. So far, it is the opening couple of cuts which impressed me the most, but we'll see how it develops with a little more airtime. We've had a number of reviews in, so here are a couple to be going on with. Um, I don't know who this quote is from, but it says, when people told me Glenn Hughes was making a blues album, the type of music conjured up in my mind was soulful R&B brass sections, Wilson Pickett and Blues Brothers covers. The reality is different, and the title of this album is rather misleading. This disc has as much to do with the, that type of music as Motorhead does to reggae. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. That's pretty good. Um, uh. Then it says, oh, okay. Um, uh, the style is actually more L.A. hard rock, blues, 
uh, due no doubt to numerous hotshot guitar protégés on show. To be fair, some of the playing isn't bad. Erickson, for example, it's just that a lot of the material cries out for a guitarist who understands the dynamics and subtleties of blues-influenced musics, someone like Jeff Healy, Jimmy Vaughn, etc. Glenn's vocal performance is naturally the highlight, and if you ignore the shortcomings of the album, it's rather enjoyable to hear that voice once again. Let's hope it bodes well for the future, and next time puts together a band that can mesh into some more individual sound and matches talents. And that was from Roy Davies. Um, or is it Davis? Mm. I don't know. Um, it perhaps worth me pointing out that, in fact, Glenn probably had very little to do with the actual music. I rather got the impression that it was put together by people concerned and Glenn just came in to do his bit. Well, I, that wouldn't really jive with the fact that he's given songwriting credits on so many songs, but mm. um, few people get a second chances in life. But Glenn Hughes, a man who many would agree has suffered more than his fair share of setbacks, is certainly one who has been given that chance. 20 seconds into The Boy Can Sing the Blues, the opening number on this long awaited, largely self-produced comeback solo album. It's clear that he is a man who has grasped this la latest opportunity with both hands and strong resolve to make the most of it. Blues marks a triumphant return of Glenn Hughes from the rock and roll wilderness in which he has languished for far too long. OK, so it goes on a little bit. Um, the album is an excellent showcase for Glenn's remarkable writing and performing talents, a very impressive and sometimes very heavy piece of work. Indeed, songs like the opening track, I'm the Man and What Can I Do For You, often lean more towards supercharged hard rock than they do blues, but the reciprocal can also be said of such cuts as Life of Misery, an autobiographical reflection of the days of substance abuse, and his resolve today to never walk that road again. There you go, John. Glenn writes in the liner notes that this is just the beginning of many new Glenn Hughes albums to come. In spite of a checkered career littered with false starts and half-cocked comebacks, this time the smart money is on the man and his word. Uh, it says anonymous. And he said wh whoever, he said it's anonymous because whoever wrote it didn't put their name on it. So it must be one of our American readers judging by the weird paper size. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty good in the moment to say after, like he said, after many, many kind of promises of a mm -hmm. comeback, they're saying they believe him this time. And, well, he was certainly kept to it. He did. He did. So, so he came back. He came back indeed. But I think that that was really um, an interesting take is that they um, um, one of the uh, reviews that you just read thought that it was going to be more of a um, what did they say? A Wilson Pickett. Yeah, uh, Blues Brothers type of thing. Yeah, you know, yep. that would have been cool if he had taken more time with it to do something more in that vein. Would have been more, I think, along his his line. But um, I, I think that it's also possible that it could have been one of those, you know, he hey, I got into the studio with my buddies story, but they actually like had a bunch of people record shit, and then he just came yeah. and sang over it, or he could have been involved to a degree and sang over it, um, you know, type of thing. But also what I mentioned on the <laughs> the first episode is um, that, I mean, it says it right in the title, the L.A. Blues Authority. Yeah. So when they're saying in the reviews that it sounds more like a bunch of like L.A. L.A. rockers or like, you know, that style of music. I mean, that's what it's advertised as, you yeah. know, pretty much if you yeah. think about it. So, yeah, they were. You know, like, um, yeah, I will say that it, it definitely didn't. It wasn't the blues album that necessarily you'd be thinking if you're thinking of blues, but the fact that they did put L.A. in there. Um, yeah, this is this is something different. Yeah, I'm laughing because I noticed the dog. Yeah, I, I almost freaked out because I'm just sitting here and then all of a sudden I hear I feel this wet, cold nose press against my arm. And I was like, ah, <laughs> uh. 
So I don't know if Jen just got fed up with her and sent her downstairs or if the kids are like, or the kids are fed up with her and sent her. Either way, I'm um, just trying to keep her from chewing any cable so that we don't ruin this episode. <laughs> well, um, we're almost at the end. Almost there, almost there. So yeah, some pretty interesting stuff. Big thanks to Jeff Bryce for always helping out like he does. I uh, got some great, great stuff in from uh, from him as always. Um, and with that, we're on to our final batch of patrons. And that is, of course, the foundation level patrons. Uh, coming in at the three pound aromatic feed tier, Simon Ford. At the $3.33 halfway to evil tier, we have Stephen Sharp and Duncan Leesk. At the $3 nobody's perfect tier, we have Peter Gardot. Ian DeRosier. Mark Roback. Stuart McCord. We have... Ivan Fieldboo. Runar Siemensen. JJ Stenard. Ruinous Inadequacies. John Maselli. You ready for some Sauvignon? I forgot about that one. <laughs> Michael Boyette and Corey Morissette from And the Podcast Will Rock and the extended Corey Mor- Morissette podcasting universe. At the $1.71 I Want My Own Tier tier, we have Rich Young Shaylor. At the 10 kroner tier, Kirsten Lau. At the one pound tier, Lord Longford. And at the $1 made up name tier, we have the you don't have to save me anymore because I'm dead, Leaky Mausoleum. Um, We have, oh wait, I did that one last time, didn't I? Okay, we have the, have you read the epitaph? (laughs) Leaky Mausoleum. Steven Somerville, the Concerto 1999 fanatic. Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel. <laughs> Blackmore Tights. And Steve, Down to Earth Kohler. Thank you so very much for your generous support of the Deep Purple podcast. Oh, well, that's it, John. We've done it. So I, I just want to say that I'm not surprised, but you know how they always say your phone's listening to you? Oh, God, tell me about it. So while you were reading the patrons i opened up my phone first thing in my facebook feed mick mars fans (laughs) swear to god i haven't seen a damn thing about mick mars since the whole you know that whole kerfuffle fired me and they yeah yeah, so this is one with just a picture a high school picture of him and like you know the you know kind of a little autobiography on him you know like join this group and i'm just like yeah okay the other (sighs) so my wallet is just absolutely just falling to shreds. I bought it in 2000. Wow. Um, right before I, I bought it the morning of uh, my friend's wedding. And uh, they got divorced about six months later. And I still had the wallet as up to like this week. Um, <laughs> it's falling apart. It's fumes. Fum- my wife's been trying to get me to get rid of it. 
Rightfully so. It's very old. Oh, it's horrible. She's been trying to get me to get rid of it forever. Had, I've had longer than we've been together. I had this freaking wallet. So I started looking at those wallets, you know, like the Ridge wallet and stuff. It's all like you, and the, you just the cards just pop out and stuff like that. And I, I like, have one of those. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm, I got this big bulky thing in my pocket and I'm just like, let me just narrow it down. You know, I can use Apple Pay on my phone. I don't I, I don't I hardly ever carry cash. So I was like, let, let me just look into these. So I start Googling them. Every single thing on Instagram now is an ad for the Ridge wallet and like the 27 other copycat brands out there it, mm-hmm. nonstop. And I, I just I wish there was something you could put in there to be like, guys, I bought the wallet. So stop sending me ads for like 20 years. I just want to opt out of wallet ads because I'm, I've am i got this one. I, it's probably going to be the last one I have before I retire. Like just. Get get rid of it. So, um, yeah, based on your relationship with wallets. Yeah, be, yeah, yeah, based on and and my last wallet was not made of titanium like this one is. So, <laughs> odds are I'm gonna have this one for a while. Yeah, <laughs> they show people driving over it with cars and everything. Watch this one will break in like three three years. I'll be like, what the hell? Um, my other ones. Uh, uh, does, I'll I'll put up. Maybe I should put a picture of my wallet in the show notes. It's it's absolutely my you know, my dad's got one of those wallets. It's like this thick. He's oh, like, God. you know, it's like, yeah, I don't mean, he's sitting on, he's probably sitting like completely crooked because this thing is in <clears> his pocket. Pops, uh, Pops does the, uh, the, the classic Italian, uh, he's got all of his stuff wrapped in a broccoli band. <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> Like he just yeah, takes a broccoli, like a rubber band from broccoli with like the PLU on it and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's actually one of those, but it's it's a it's a rubber band or, you know, there's like, like a, that like old, a thicker um, rubber band, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's the that's the old Italian stereotype, you know, is the, uh, you know, the the quote unquote wallet. That's, you know, the stuff that's held together with a broccoli band, which, you know, I actually did that for a while. You did? Because I'm like, hey, this thing is sturdy. Was it um, regular broccoli or organic broccoli? Hmm. It must have been regular because when I did it, it was, um, you know, when I was when I was buying when I was buying regular broccoli. <laughs> back when, Not that I back buy broccoli were- all the time. <laughs> Back before when you were just a commoner. <laughs> <laughs> Back before I knew what organic before was. Before you were a, a big, a big time, uh, a big time vegetable. Uh, you, you you were rolling deep in the vegetables and started buying organic broccoli. So you just mm-hmm. had like it's like broccoli forty sixty. Hey, got my cash here, <laughs> and that's the greatest thing is like oh your wallet breaks. Hey, go buy some more broccoli. It's good for you too. Yeah. Oh well, that's actually I think that's what I did when I had a I had a wallet. And if I was going out somewhere and I didn't want the bulk in my pocket, I would take out the two or three things and cash that were essential, like my yeah. license, one credit card and cash and wrap it in a, you know, a broccoli or a rubber band and stick it in there. Because um, in my going out days, my jeans are what uh, you wouldn't call them loose. So. <laughs> yes. They left very little of the imagination. Yeah, and then you and then you put the broccoli in the jeans. <laughs> oh, it's got a better oh, shape. Hey, <laughs> hey <it's> got, <laughs> exactly. No, just the band, not the broccoli itself. Although, you know, I wish I could go back in time now. <laughs> it's like, oh, that guy's got a huge schwanz, but he's he smells like hell. <laughs> he's he smells like a fart, but man, that guy's packing. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I prefer the old English cuke. <laughs> oh, God. You're ready. It's fair. Yeah. Yikes. You know what you're in for. 
Yeah, yeah you could go all the way down to your knee. <laughs> Very rock star. Yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, uh, pretty good. <laughs> I was like, but I, I love the idea of doing that because, like, what, what's, what, what happens? Like, if, if, if the stuffing your jeans with various produce achieves the intended results, I mean, at a certain point, they're going to know that they've been had. Well, yeah, I mean, then that's that's when you have to, like, keep your you have to keep your fingers crossed and be like, all right, if you lured them in this much, they're going to just be like, well, one of two things. It's like, well, I'm here anyways. And then they just go through with it or they're like, nope, I'm out. And most of the time, it's the first one I found. Yes. (laughs) Even though you smell like steamed broccoli, you've been dancing in the club. It's just like, yeah, you know, dancing to the club on all the while steaming broccoli in your pants. It's like, hey, I got a good I got a good after after club snack. Yeah, exactly. If you don't don't hook up with anybody, you can have a healthy treat after Mm, mm, nature's candy. Mm. (laughs) Broccoli, nature's candy. All right. Yeah. More like nature's nature's punishment. (laughs) You don't like broccoli? No, I do. But I mean, it has to be. It has to be prepared just right. Yeah, I like it steamed, like steamed. I like it in like in like Chinese food where it's steamed, but it's still kind of crunchy. Yeah, actually, all, all kidding aside, broccoli, cauliflower, you know, if it's, um, you know, if it's seasoned, if it's like, uh, you know, air fried or like, you know, baked and crispy or whatever, then, you know, it, it could be good. But I mean, it's just like any other food. I mean, if you don't season it or cook it right, then it's just it doesn't taste like anything. This is true. So... There you go. There you go, folks. Culinary tips from the Deep Purple <laughs> podcast. Culinary tips and ways to make yourself more sexually alluring with produce. Yes, and, and please check out our spinoff podcast, The Food Podcast, coming soon. Um, mm. All right. Well, John, it's been great talking to you about the blues and, and <laughs> stuffing broccoli in your pants. Um, <laughs> hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll be doing that again next week. Well, just the not the broccoli part. No, hopefully not that. I'm definitely not putting any broccoli in my pants this week. It's going to be like almost 100 degrees all week. So, well, you might have some tasty treats though afterwards. <laughs> tasty? I don't know. Or, I wouldn't. I love, I love broccoli, but I wouldn't call it a treat. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> stretching it a little bit. But anyway, True. I'll talk to you later, my friend. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. I don't know. Maybe it's because I've stopped sweating and now all of it just like pulled into my bladder. Hang on. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for that. Thanks for that visual. You're welcome. Nobody leave this place without singing the blues.